ഹലോ എല്ലാവർക്കും നമസ്കാരം വെൽക്കം ടു ദ ഷോ ഇന്നത്തെ നമ്മുടെ ഗസ്റ്റ് ഇസ് സമാന്ത കണ്ണൻ ഹു ഈസ് എൻ ഓത്തർ ആൻഡ് എ റൈറ്റർ മോസ്റ്റ് പോപ്പുലർലി നോൺ ഫോർ ഹർ കണ്ടെന്റ് ഓൺ കൂറ വേ ഷീ ഹാസ് ഓവർ എ ഹൺഡ്രഡ് മില്യൺ കണ്ടെന്റ് വ്യൂസ് ഷി പബ്ലിഷ് എ ഫേസ്റ്റ് ബുക്ക് എ ന്യൂ ജേർണി ഇൻ ട്വന്റി ട്വന്റി വേ ഷീ ടോക്സ് അബൌട്ട് ഹർ എക്സ്പീരിയൻസ് ടീച്ചിങ് ഇൻ എ സ്മോൾ വില്ലേജ് ഇൻ കേരള ഓൺ ദിസ് എപ്പിസോഡ് വി ടോക്ക് അബൌട്ട് ഹർ എക്സ്പീരിയൻസ് ലിവിങ് ഇൻ ഇന്ത്യ ഡീലിംഗ് വിത്ത് ആങ്സൈറ്റി ആൻഡ് ഡിപ്രഷൻ ബീങ് കിഡ്നാപ്ഡ് ഇൻ കുടേക്നാൽ getting married in south india and a lot more if you'd like to check out her content i'll put a link down in the description go check it out she is an amazing writer and uh, i hope you guys enjoy the show thanks for watching so uh hi samantha thank you so much for joining <laughs> I started reading your post on Quora probably in 2018 and Really? Yeah, when I think you had a very small following compared to what you have now. So, <laughs> I kind of I would have never imagined that you know this would happen. I didn't even know that I would do a podcast or anything like that. But uh then I found out that Emma is one of your really close friends and she watches yeah. the show. So, I saw a post of her on her birthday or something with you guys and I was like oh my god how does she know her and then I spoke to uh, Emma and I was like do you think uh, Samantha is going to agree to you know come on the show and stuff like that so that's how it all began <laughs> Oh thanks Yeah <laughs> Yeah but you know I I like I said you know I've known you through your post for a very long time and it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you so i actually read your book during uh, i think last week and uh, amazing read uh, i really sure? i think yeah i i finished the book in i think a day and i'm usually a very slow reader <laughs> so oh. yeah and and you have a new book coming out right yeah yeah uh, in a couple of weeks i can email it to you if you want i know i'll buy it that's okay i think you deserve it <laughs> Like my last book so people think that I like write books to profit off of like Indians and things mm-hmm. but like so the book that you read I spent like more than $2500 to publish it wow. like between the publishing the cover design the formatting everything it's really expensive and then so I told the MD of my school I'm going to give you a, like a percentage of the earnings cuz like maybe you saw the forward like I yeah. I took his blessing before I published it because that's his life's work so i didn't want to compromise it in any way uh so i just wanted his blessing on it and um so i told him i'm going to be giving you a, per- a percentage of everything and so he thought that uh there was going to be this huge amount of money coming their way and when i think like i think i made like $589 and i was like i can't give him a percentage of that so i just gave him everything <laughs> <laughs> so uh like people who think that I profited off it's like I literally made negative money. <laughs> yeah and and I think uh, you're talking about uh, Dr. Joseph Fernandez right who was the MD yes. of the school that you volunteered in for a couple of months or 3 months if I'm not wrong right? Yes. Yes. Yeah and and when I started reading the story I thought you know uh it was not at all fictional and it was a real thing and then in the end I figured out that okay some parts of this like the Anuj character and uh, you know that correlation with Kannan and stuff like that right so uh, i thought you were your actual name was journey you know in the beginning and then i was like okay maybe this samantha is just a stage name but then you know in the end i figured out it's not so i mean two questions that i wanted to ask you uh, because of what you uh, just said you know one thing is profiting off of india i think people have called you a culture vulture uh, yeah. and uh, i i saw a really rude post of someone who said that uh, if you're going to uh, you know talk about my country and my people you might as well uh, you know talk about the issues but i think people don't really know what you do and you don't maybe really want to publish and say that okay i've done this i've done this but like how negative is that you know when you when you get people saying stuff like that It's really really hurtful and I mean with stuff like social media you can't really there's no one who can really help you when you're mm. struggling with it because it's such a it's like it is a pretty new thing still and so when I would reach out to some of my friends and be like I'm really struggling with this this is really um like it, it's hurtful and especially when you know it's wrong but anything you say is just going to add to it so your only option is to just kind of leave it and uh 
when you when you turn to people and no one really understands what it's like and they're just like just delete it like it'll be fine it'll pass and it's like there's no one who could like even my therapist like Mm. no one could give me advice on what to do or how to handle it so I just had to um and it's still going on now there's a girl who made like a five-part TikTok series about why she hates me oh my god (laughs) and I'm just like I really want to um like show my earning statements like from TikTok last year I earned 75 whole dollars mm-hmm. all of which was donated to Aid India which is uh, my friend Selva he works for Quora in New Zealand and um he works with this company uh, like charity called Aid India so I I donate everything to them because they do a lot of um work with especially agriculture in Tamil Nadu in um Rajasthan across India and so I just felt like since the majority of my viewership is related to India, that is where I should pay back the money. Um, so anything I've ever earned, I've donated, which is why I just think it's kind of ludicrous yeah. <laughs> to think that I'm just like rolling in money. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is uh, once I also started, you know, I have a very small following on, you know, YouTube or Instagram, but I still, you know, here and there, maybe out of a hundred comments, I get a couple of, uh, you know, negative comments and the, no, uh, yeah, and Why? because one is that I speak in uh, Manglish, if if you could say that's yeah. that's not even a language, but yeah, you know, it's a combination of Malayalam and English. And the reason for that is because, uh, you know, I was born and raised abroad, uh, like I, I was there for the whole time. And then I did not really, like I had to learn to read on my own pretty much, you know, Malayalam. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my parents did try to teach me and all of that, but that was not something that we learned in school so it was not that important it's like any free time you have you want to go out and play right you don't want to as a kid (laughs) you don't really care about all this so uh once you know I started doing this I have to kind of uh learn on myself and figure things out so when people uh say that you know why do you speak a lot in English or that's because I think in English you know that's just the way it is and this is my authentic self but you know there are few people who think that that's not uh, okay. And the the funny thing about this is even if you get a hundred positive comments and two negative comments, the negative ones impact you so much, right? Oh, yeah. Because the positive ones, you're just like, oh, they're just being nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when, uh, so you've been to India before you were in Kerala for your volunteering and all of that. So what was the reason why you came in the first place? So I was actually in college. I was living with one of my friend's families, they're Punjabi. And um they one of their daughters was getting married and I was really close to them but they didn't invite me because I've always been which is another really funny thing I'm very I'm not naturally outgoing you can ask Emma I'm like she's the like happy outgoing jumpy person (laughs) and I'm just like (laughs) (laughs) I'm not I wish I was more outgoing um but I'm not and um I forgot where I was going with this. I'm so sorry. That's okay. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what were we? I'm so yeah, sorry. we were. T- yeah, so we were talking about uh, the first time you came to India. Why did you come and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm like just naturally really reserved and like not that outgoing, and so they thought I wouldn't be able to handle it, or um, that I would feel overwhelmed or have a difficult time. So I, I, they didn't invite me, and I just have this kind of stubborn streak in my head that if you tell me I can't do something, I want to try. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I just kind of like six months later, just got on a plane, went by myself to Mumbai, and um, I mean, I made friends. I got by. And and I that didn't... yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, that was the first time you came, and you've been to India like five times, six times so far. Nine times. Oh wow! I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed <laughs> of. Anyways, I mean, it's an amazing thing. And uh, you came to Kerala to do your volunteering with this uh, school in Kumbalam, right? Yeah. So was that because you wanted to teach? Uh, Was that something that you always wanted to do? I just kind of, so the first time I went to India, I went to Mumbai. And then the second time, my friends from Mumbai were like, hey, we're going to Goa, do you want to come? Mm-hmm. So the, the infamous Goa trip that never happens actually happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to Goa. And um, it was it was a lot of fun. I much prefer South Goa to North Goa. North Goa is I'm not outgoing enough for North Goa. <laughs> Too commercial for you. <laughs> yeah, like there's, I went to my first and last club ever in Goa and it was just the, like I, I, I left early. All my friends were still inside and I just like went to the bar. I was like, do you have any food? 
and then I ended up ordering like bruschetta and water and sitting by myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. So like, yeah. And my friends were so upset. They're like, "You're the American. Like you're supposed to be the life of the party." And I was like, "I'm so sorry, guys. I just let you down." <laughs> but um, then I went to uh, Kerala, and uh, it was just I wanted to. My my very best friend is from Alua. Mm. So he was complaining, "Why are you always going to North India? Like, come to the South. It's so much better. Like, you know." <laughs> and so um, I said, "Okay, fine." So um, I found this school in Kolam district, uh, Kumblam, and they also had another school in the neighboring village of Chitamala. Mm-hmm. So I went there as well. And uh, one is CBSC, one is ICSE. Um, so I just I would do like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one school, Tuesday, Thursday, the other school. And I just had so much fun and everyone was so like, of course, a couple of people would like make fun of me, like, oh, you're wearing pants. Oh, you're eating with a spoon. Like, you know, <laughs> the kind of the stuff that I kind of stuck out for. And um, it was just a really great experience. And then I went back the next year for a month and then um, I went back the next year for a week. And now I'm hopefully going back to my village um, the next time I come. Uh, but I mean, tbh covid <laughs> yeah i think you guys were supposed to come this i mean last day in 2020 but didn't happen right we came for pongal in january last year yeah. um but then covid and then we were going to come for diwali but we didn't mm. get to hopefully and this year yeah but you know things are again uh we had a spike two days back it's again you know the highest uh number of cases uh, so yeah. yeah i heard maharashtra is extremely bad yeah it's it's really bad mm-hmm. and even in kerala i think you know there are quite a lot of cases even now so i mean only time will tell you know how this is going to uh go forward and stuff like that but what uh, what was really different you know compared to north india versus south india because a lot of the tourists right even i uh follow a lot of uh vloggers who are you know foreigners like you know bald and bankrupt or uh, i don't know if you've heard of these guys so you know there are some of these really amazing youtubers that i follow but none of them really come to south india and that's always disappointing as a south indian because it's a whole different uh, you know feeling or So what was different for you the first time you came to Kerala? I think it was just being in such because it was a village so it was so quiet it was so peaceful it was so warm like I remember being so mad when I was in Delhi once because I was like if I wanted to be cold I would have stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cold. I mean it was February so I mean it's going to happen but I was so upset cuz I didn't realize cuz I'm an idiot that it would actually get that cold. And um But whenever I've been in the south, especially in Kerala, it was just so peaceful and so green and the air was so fresh and everyone was so nice and I mean the the infamous foreigner tax is mm. far far less in the south. Like in the north I've been charged upwards of 10 times just shamelessly, which I mean, I get it. It's really fine like support your families. Um what's a few dollars to me can help someone's like kid get an education. I'm I'm not really opposed to paying the foreigner tax anymore. But in the south everyone is so straightforward and um it just feels I don't want to offend anyone <laughs> but like uh, it just I've always <laughs> just ever since going Carlos my third trip and ever since then it's just been um my preference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, traveling to India don't really know that the south is a whole different uh, kind of a feeling compared to the north right i mean obviously there's so many beautiful places in the north like rajasthan and i mean jaipur and you know all those places but sikkim yeah sikkim and even you know jammu and kashmir i you know been there once so it it was like a whole you different went? yeah so i was uh, i'm not allowed to go <laughs> oh really Yeah, like foreigners have a lot of limitations on where they can go. Yeah, so I think I went in 2017 and even I think now it's even harder for us to go because of all these no. yeah problems that are there, you know, with the borders and all of that. But yeah, it was again, you know, Jammu and Kashmir was like a whole different world and it's like actually paradise, you know. And I prefer the cold compared to the heat because we were always in the heat. So, <laughs> and even I like I said, you know, I grew up in the uh, in Uh, a place called Bahrain which is in the gulf and uh, it's again really hot there like it gets up to 48 degrees 45 degrees in summers and all of that so i obviously prefer you know cooler <laughs> weather uh, unlike you but yeah and uh, in your in the book right uh, when you uh, you had the forward by dr joseph and uh, he says that you know you have a rocky love affair with india why is that <laughs> <laughs> because as with anything like um 
I don't like to focus on negative at all because I feel like um, the media does enough of that. Why should I add to it? So that's why maybe it's annoying how positive I am, but I just feel like as someone who has seen so much positive, it's kind of my responsibility to make sure that that is known um, to share as much positivity as I can. And so like, even, you know, that whole like kidnapping thing, like I don't talk about that very much because I want the positive things to come. So like my Rocky thing was like one of the, the warden, uh, she of the hostel, mm-hmm. she was really, she was, she was a very sweet girl. Um, but she was very young. I think she was like 22 or 23 and she was by herself basically taking care of and responsible for these like 25 kids. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of pressure on her. And then she had some family pressure as well. Um, you know, like marriage age and everything. Um, and so I became kind of her scapegoat for all of her frustrations mm-hmm. and, uh, she just, really really hated me (laughs) so um there were some issues with that and then um like I had this huge fear of spiders Mm. I I think I I squealed the first like 20 times I saw a lizard (laughs) so so it was just like there were some difficulties there was a lot of adjusting um but there's this really smart thing that I that one of my friends said one time and it was like um change is like holding onto a rope or swimming in a current. Like the more you fight it, the more you hold the rope, the more you swim against the current, the more you're hurting yourself. So it's best to just adapt, go along with everything. I mean, you're not hurting anyone. Just Mm. go along with what is there. Why are you so stuck in your ways? And um, just learn about a different group of people. And maybe like there's so many things that I've learned that um, I never would have learned if I would have just been like, my way is the right way. I'm going to do everything my way. I mean, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Yeah. And, and when you, uh, in the book, you also talk about not really wanting to come to Kerala. Uh, is that only, you know, the character in the story that didn't yeah. want to come? Okay. <laughs> so you actually I wanted was, to. Yeah, I was really excited because my best friend, you know, uh, so I just really wanted to see, because um, he, he went to school with Niven Polly. Like, oh, wow. I, and you're a yeah. big fan. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I was so upset with him when I was like, can, can you like introduce me? He's like, we went to school together. Like, we're not best friends. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I just want to like say hi. Like, hi, you're, I'm the biggest fan of you in the entire earth. And then I have another fan who's a big DQ fan. So we kind of like, or a friend who's a DQ fan. So we kind of have this battle of like, who's better. <laughs> but of course, Niven always wins. Um, but and him and Nazaria together. I just love them so much. Oh, I'm Shanti sorry. Shanti, I'm getting right? off track so much. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, and like even Bangalore days, even though they were cousins, like mm. still. <laughs> yeah. I just love them. I think, you know, he had that really good, um, I mean, he had a set of really good movies that came in, you know, yeah. Premam and Om Shanti Oshana, Bangalore yeah. days. Amazing. Sai Palavi. <laughs> oh yeah, Sai Palavi also. So. I love her. Yeah, she was amazing. <laughs> and yeah, so... Talking about Sai Pallavi, something else that I, you know, read on your feed was uh, her, you know, rejecting that, you know, I think fairness cream for around two crores Mm -hmm. because she thought that it was not right. And even when you came to India, uh, people, uh, I think, told you that, you know, you're so beautiful because you're so fair and, you know, stuff like that. And that's something that, you know, even being uh, an Indian, something that we deal with a lot because we, uh, you know, if... Like, I'm a little bit on the darker side. So, people kind of all, always consider fair to be equal to beautiful. And that's something that I... It, as a kid, you can imagine how insecure you feel, you know, when, when you hear all these things. And it's not your fault that, you know, you're dark or... That's just who I am. And and that's something you realize once you age, once you uh, become wiser and know that, you know, it's just the melanin in your skin and, you know, stuff like that. So, how weird was it? for you when you know you came here and then people always talking about this fair and dark and stuff like that it was really bizarre to me because my whole life I was made fun of (laughs) like in my school because like you know it's not I'm like my parents are Irish Mm. like we're extremely pale like everyone used to make fun of me and they were like oh like are you related to paper and snow like just stupid kid things yeah and then like to have people remark about something completely out of my control. Uh, like my student's father saying that my arms look like tube lights, <laughs> like <laughs> those things. <laughs> it was just, um, it, it made me really uncomfortable to see how kind of inferior people felt for mm. something completely out of their control. Even like my half rush 
like that really happened. And uh, it just made me feel so bad that like they were beautiful girls, but to be put on that pedestal constantly in front of other students, it made them feel so uncomfortable. And it just, and I just, I wish it wasn't that way, but. Yeah, unfortunately it is. And at least, you know, the next generation of parents can kind of instill confidence in their kids and not worry about who's fair and who's dark and stuff like that. Because that's just something, even in the marriage market here, right? That's something that people really look at. And you have a section that talks about your complexion also, if you're on one of these uh, sites. And fortunately, I didn't have to go through that. Uh, but it, it's just really sad that, you know, we're still living in an age like that. And I think it's it's only through education. And did you ever try to tell people that, you know, it's just because of this and it's not, it's just yeah. the melanin, but did it work? <laughs> no, I tried really hard to be like, I, and one thing really upset me, one of the teachers, um, it was just LKG, like they were babies. Mm. Um, but one of the girls, she kept touching my arm. And so I have, I have freckles, like mm. it, it just happens. And the teacher was like, oh, look, she's getting spots. She's going to turn dark like you if you don't stop. And I was like, you oh can't God. say that to a mm. child. Yeah. Like the things that like any sort of trauma or insult, insulting anything like you're, they're going to internalize that for their entire yeah. lives. Like the way you speak to them now is going to be their mind voice as an adult. And I was just like trying like, I mean, I don't want to be like white savior or anything, but like I just it really it really hurt to see people treated like that yeah and another issue that foreigners have when they come to india is being stared at and that is something that is i i really don't understand i mean i just i think it's just natural <laughs> to some extent that you know we stare at people but it can be so uncomfortable being on your end of the spectrum right yeah at first i was just like I didn't mind it that much because like do, at first I was like, do I have something in my teeth? Do I have something on my face? And then I was like, okay, this is just something I have to get used to. And then it got to a point where it was just so frequent. And even like I was on a ferry in Mumbai to the Elephant Caves mm -hmm. and uh, these people were taking turns sitting next to me like and taking pictures pretending like they were hanging out with me. And I was just like, what is it was just so awkward. And it's like, if you want to say hi, like you can say hi. You don't have to like sneakily take pictures. And because um, like, I don't think that like, as much as I don't like it, I don't think that I am assertive enough to be like, go away. Mm. Like, but in the book, um, in the book, you have one section where you talk about, uh, you know, you and uh, I mean, let's say Journey and Anuj, these two characters going to eat uh, vada or something in, in one of the, you know, smaller shops. And then uh, Journey tells them that, uh, you know, you need to stop staring. It's the food is great and stuff like that. Did that really happen? That's my mind voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's obviously very difficult to, you know, tell someone, you know, especially if you're a nice person, it's really difficult to tell someone to stop staring and you just feel awkward. And that's something I think that foreigners face a lot while they come to India. It's just this thing that I don't know, you know, how we can actually change that. It's probably the only thing is that you have a lot of, lot more foreigners coming in and, you know, people getting so used to this that, yeah, they're a part of the society and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, that's maybe not even a good idea. But, you know, I was just thinking, you know, how do you change something like this that's so inherent within us? And we're just so used to staring at anyone who's not an Indian. Like, you know, let's say, is that a black person or, you know, is it? you know, someone else, it doesn't matter. So it's just something that that's always been here, you know, and probably, you know, even I have been guilty of doing that. Just, you know, it's just a thing where you just, you know, look at, okay, there's someone who's not from here kind of a scenario. But yeah. Uh, even I caught myself doing it, though. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> when I was with my friends in Mumbai, we would play this game. Uh, and we would like, once we would see a foreigner, we would all kind of like take turns guessing where we thought they were from. Ah, right. <laughs> so like, it just, I mean, I guess I kind of fell into it too. So I'm guilty. Yeah, but Sorry. I think there's that line that you have to, you know, draw and be like, okay, now I'm looking too much that I'm making the person uncomfortable. So yeah, that's, that's something that... Oh no, we weren't like hawks. We were just kind of like... Yeah, so that's still fine stuff. as far as they don't know, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Amazing. So... Uh, 
other pro- you know other issues that you had while coming to india was one you know the bathrooms were so different the toilets were really different uh, you talk about all these in your book and uh, even washing clothes you know for the first time uh, that's also something that i found really amazing that uh, two kids come up and show you how to you know wash <laughs> wash your stuff was that something that actually happened yeah they uh, i didn't know what to do so i hadn't actually i don't think i wrote about this but i hadn't washed my clothes for so long cuz i didn't know what to do that i just went to town and bought new clothes <laughs> okay <laughs> and i think they noticed after a while like like Samantha miss you're never washing your clothes like mm. are you doing it in your room and i was like i don't know how yeah. and then uh, they just kind of took me under their wing it, it must have been so crazy for you uh coming from a very small town of i think 950 odd people if i'm not wrong mm-hmm. and then you know coming to this place with so many people around you you know you talk about the smells that it's so different right the humidity just hits you uh, when you land and stuff like that i i can't even imagine what uh, what kind of change that would have been and how insecure probably you would have you know felt while you were here for the first time especially with people looking at you and stuff like that but you still overcame all of that and now you've you know been to india so many times you've married a south indian who's from tamil nadu and coming back to the book you uh, i i read somewhere i think on quora itself where you talked about uh this is going to be the last book that you're going to publish so was that because uh from the financial standpoint uh you have to spend a lot of money to publish a book and maybe the returns are not that great or are there other reasons as well the money i don't mind so much because i feel like My goal with that book was primarily to dispel because when I got home everyone was like oh my god like did it smell bad uh, did you feel safe like you know the stereotypical things mm-hmm. and so I kind of wanted to publish it to dispel those stereotypes mm-hmm. and um so I feel like if I have a good and then like the the book about our wedding um I've had more like I think two or three people actually send me messages primarily on Quora and say um like my boyfriend's family my girlfriend's family they only accepted me because of something they saw in you and at like seeing like i think i'm really annoying <laughs> but like <laughs> seeing that i have in some in some way helped someone else it just makes me feel so warm and fuzzy um and so many people have asked me like i'm getting married uh to an indian next month and of course every single region um is vastly different um but they just wanted so many details about everything that happened so i just wanted to make something accessible um that shows everything start to finish engagement wedding what happened so that it it doesn't set the exact expectations like maybe for a bengali wedding or anything mm. but um it just kind of could help someone feel less apprehensive i hope so so if i have something i want to say that i feel like has a message that i want to share um like i don't really care about the price but it's so time consuming yeah <laughs> so it's it's just really and then like also there's a lot of project management in it um which is not my strong suit so like i have to because i didn't want to traditionally publish because i didn't want to risk my story being altered at all since it is real life um so having to manage like cover designers and formatters and each one has a different uh like time frame in which you have to fit them and a different time estimate of how long it will take and having to fit all of that around on top of working on top of everything else it was just way too stressful <laughs> yeah and talking about the wedding like not to take anything away from the book but uh you were you were alone uh, your parents couldn't really fly down because they're not they're you know older also and they didn't they're not really mm. fond of uh, traveling and it's a long journey right i think almost 24 hours you know if you yeah. take the layover and all of that so it would have been really i can't even imagine what it's like when you are you know all by yourself i know kanan was always there and all of that but uh, not having your friends and family who you know you've been around you know your entire life not having them so in brief like how difficult was that you know a completely different tradition something that again the language is a barrier so you can't really even converse with people a lot so it was really tough and i mean i i don't really blame them uh there were a couple of people who were like oh if it was in europe we would have tried harder um those those people i'm a little bit upset with still 
Um, but my parents who are, they're not in good health, like my dad is 78. I wouldn't expect them to undergo such a long journey. Um, but it was extremely tough because being so introverted and being around so many things that are different and like I've been studying Tamil but I'm nowhere near I'm nowhere near fluent and it was just really really overwhelming and uh like I couldn't have done it without um like sorry so like uh his family was so kind about it and so open um and if they if they hadn't been so friendly and so helpful with everything, I don't think that I would like, it was really, really, really stressful. Like I remember one morning I I was jet lagged and we mm-hmm. were getting married in like two days and oh. I hadn't slept in a week since I had been there. And um, I was just like, this is so embarrassing. I was like, just like laying on the floor crying <laughs> and his sister was like petting my head. Like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So like, you know, if they hadn't been there, it would have been a lot harder. Yeah, but but now it must be. I mean, I I read again that you know uh, both families are really uh, okay with. They were okay with this wedding from the beginning. Both your oh, yeah. your so, parents and her, his parents. Have you seen DDLJ? Yeah, I have. Yes. <laughs> so Kanan is very much like Shahrukh Khan. <laughs> he is like he told me from the beginning. Like if both families aren't on board, like we shouldn't do this. It's mm. not right. And uh, so he's very much like old school and uh, wanting to make sure that everyone is respected. So if both sides weren't okay, he, we wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important to uh, have everyone on board because it's, I think it's very hard for people who get married, you know, without their families really agreeing to it. Uh, the unfortunate circumstance that that happens, you're all alone. Like you don't really have anyone to be there for you when you really need you know people around you yeah friends are there that's all true but family is family ultimately right so oh yeah and especially like if you have kids or anything like you need familial support to be with you yeah Uh, and something else that uh you know you talk about in in a lot of your posts is about anxiety and depression uh stuff like that and and you know during the lockdown i've been through you know these bouts of you know anxiety a lot actually you know and i was not I, I never really felt that way earlier, you know, where you get into that dark, you, you have, you feel like there's a dark cloud over you all the time and nothing's really going right. So you, you obviously can't expect people to know why they're, uh, you know, anxious or depressed unless they probably see a therapist or sit down and, you know, write stuff down and figure that out. But what do you do when, you know, stuff like this happens and how do you make sure that you can get out of it? What are some of the things that you do in that circumstance? So I'm in a constant cycle between like I've had depression since I remember being like eight years old Mm. and uh, like my therapist told me later what it was, but like, I just thought, you know, I was a broken child. Um, But yeah, it's just been ever present my entire life. And uh, like, sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's better, Um, but it's just, it's always kind of there and it's really important to kind of keep an analytical diagnostic of your mental health at all times. Like, how are you, how did you feel today? What do you think set it apart? And just kind of checking in with yourself regularly so that you can catch things before they get bad, before you're like, oh, no, I'm in all the way. Um, just being really open with yourself. And then I kind of, I've, over the past couple of months, started a kind of really strict thing, like, you know, hashtag 2021, like <laughs> year <laughs> renewals and things. Um, but like, I am very strict with myself. Like, uh, I do like Surya Namaskar every morning, uh, five rounds. I do, I walk, uh, you know, Kiki, our dog, yeah. uh, every single day for like an, an hour or two. Um, I do Pilates every day. Those things kind of like, I read that having your heart rate kind of fluctuate throughout the day, mm-hmm. um, can help to kind of, uh, trick your body. Uh, like, you know, serotonin, dopamine, like releasing yeah. things. Uh, making sure I get enough sleep, making sure that uh, I eat well. I haven't, uh, I like, I've been very strict um, the past couple of months with like my, I have a really bad sweet tooth. Um, <laughs> and I found that uh, that does like, I don't drink coffee, but like any kind of like caffeine or like excessive sugar intake can really exacerbate anxiety. So I've been really strict about like not letting myself eat too much sugar. Um, 
to like obviously it's in everything but like yeah. it's america <laughs> but <laughs> um uh, just like limiting like ice cream cake things like that and just taking control and like it's it's much easier said than done yeah um but it's just something that i have dealt with so heavily in the past that i just wanted to kind of be like sam you're like 31 now you need to chill <laughs> so yeah. uh take control of yourself and um and of course, everyone has their own journey. So I don't mean that as like a judgment on anyone at all. Um, but that was my personal journey where it led to. And my kind of tipping point was, you know, it's a new year. I'm getting older. I need to take more responsibility for myself. And uh, so that's what I did. But it's really helpful. Like I went through an episode last week and it only lasted. It was like my all time lowest episode mm-hmm. was four and a half days. And I was just like, I really stumbled upon something. So I think I have to keep it up. So you think uh, routines really help you? you know, overcome or, you know, having rather than, you know, sitting on your couch and not doing anything, uh, you feel like, you know, doing stuff, getting out there, going out to even, you know, walk your dog, all of those routines help. And honestly, that's even helped me a lot. Like, like just even if I just go out to exercise, just, you know, get a little bit of sun that really helps uh, with, you know, my overall mood, you know, during the day. And another thing, as silly as this may sound, you know, I, I always think about how is this really going to impact your life? maybe you know a week in a week's time or in two weeks time and most of the time the things that you worry about like they just get fixed somehow you know a lot of the time uh, there are obviously things that you have to worry about but most of the time most of the things that you worry about are not really things that you really need to you know screw yourself over for so that's something that you know I always think about the worst case scenario and that somehow helps <laughs> you know me with uh, my anxiety and even you know to some extent uh with the depression and stuff like that so yeah that was something i thought i should really ask you about yeah oh no and another thing that really helps is like we naturally are much more gentle with other people than ourselves Mm -hmm. so if you ever kind of if you're going through something if you want to write it down if it's easier if you want to kind of have this internal dialogue but when you tell yourself what's happening just uh openly if you pretend like it's a friend telling you what mm. they're going through, your advice is much more gentle, much more uh, open and much more helpful than the kind of mean voice that we give to ourselves. So I found that like tricking myself into doing that has been pretty effective as well. Uh, something that I, uh, I don't know if you know Jordan Peterson, I'm sure you do. Yeah. 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 So something that he uh, talks about, uh, you know, when people go through tough times uh, is that, uh, take care of yourself like it was something that someone that you cared about so like if you if it's um, like let's say it's my wife and you know she's going through something really bad like there's a good chance that you know I'll take really good care of her and if I would you know just take that and put it into my own life things would have would be much better so exactly. yeah <laughs> so that's something that you know those things really help you know when you have people like him you know talking about the things that he does and even he's gone through a lot of uh, depression and he has this constant fight you know being such a you know a knowledgeable person especially in this area and you're also a psychologist right you studied psychology not professionally but i studied it okay okay and and what i you... went the boring route i work in insurance <laughs> <laughs> in, in marketing right uh, no, no. Uh, so I do like uh, HR in, in an insurance company. So like, it's not like, actually, like, I love psychology, but you have to get your master's. And I just kind of got lazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't want to do that. And uh, you are a big fan of The Office. And <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it is when you say it's boring, is it is the life some, somewhere similar to The Office? <laughs> do you have characters like that around? <laughs> I'm a lot more fun than Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm just like, when I was younger, I was more of a Pam. As I get older, I'm kind of turning into Angela and I hate it. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) But like, not as drastic, but like, I'm getting a little bit more set in my ways. So I have to kind of force myself to shake it up a little bit and stop being like a, an Angela. But yeah, I mean, I mean, she wants to save Bandit. So she does have her priorities. So my wife told me about uh, The Office years back and I just started watching it like a month ago. So I'm still not done with the whole thing. Yeah, so that's like almost everything that I do nowadays, you know, I'm just so hooked to it. What season are you on? I'm on the eighth season. I think I have like a couple of episodes (laughs) more. So yeah, Michael Scott's left and stuff like that. That's where I am. Uh, Try not to cry. 
Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wept when he left. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always thought that he would come back, but not yet. So I'm hoping he still does. I mean, no spoilers, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what an amazing series, and you know, stuff like that also helps you, right? When when you are you know going through a tough time and with the lockdown and stuff like that, watching something that's uh, really that you can just sit there and not really worry about anything and just sit there and watch it really helps as well. So yeah, stuff like that. But uh, another thing that I found really, uh, you know, funny in some ways is when you, uh, in the book, you spoke about not understanding a few things like, you know, the dialect, like I'll go and come kind of a thing, right? Where you, mm. you expect people to come back, but it's just something yeah. they say. <laughs> so the first few times you actually waited when people said, I'll go and come. Yeah. <laughs> and they never came. It was so upsetting. And like, I thought about kind of spreading it out in the book. But I was like, no, if I just put these examples on top of each other, it'll solidify it better. Um, but it really happened like, once and then a couple days later, and then the day after that. And then I was like, what is happening? Do people <laughs> just hate me? <laughs> or like, maybe they got held up somewhere, something's going on. Um, but then I just kind of, you know, so uh, it, it, it must be really uh, difficult because when you're now you're learning Tamil and you know you're trying to figure things out but there are a lot of these things that are there in any language right there's a all these things so how do you you know get around that is it just you know speaking to people and understanding the references better is that how it how you get better at it I've always had kind of so it's actually it's called the chameleon effect mm -hmm. um and it's something my mother does also. She like, if we watch a movie set in like the Southern US or if we travel somewhere, she will kind of pick up the mannerisms mm -hmm. and she'll pick up the accent a little bit. And um, my parents also, they always knew when I had a new friend because I would kind of pick, like I had a friend who used to go like this all the time and I started doing that. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so like, I just, I've always picked up mannerisms and things very easily. So um, when... I when I traveled, I subconsciously kind of picked up a lot of things without realizing it. Um, like if you, you want someone to hold something, you tell them to catch it. And that doesn't mean you're going to throw it at them, which I when like one of my students, Nigel, was like, Samantha, miss catch this. And I was like, OK. And he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, and like covers his bags. I just kind of like I've always been pretty receptive um, to differences like that. And that really. Um, enabled me to adapt a little bit easier I think because when the Canadian she actually did come mm. um, when she came I was able to kind of be like a liaison for her and like help her kind of figure out everything that was going on um, and all the differences so that she could adapt better because she wasn't uh, picking up things quite as quickly. Mm -hmm. So do you still uh, keep in touch with all of these people you worked with uh, in that school? Oh yeah so the librarian um, Ianimus she's pregnant uh, it's great. Uh, she was living with her husband in Dubai for a while. Now they're back in Kerala. And um, the MD, of course. Um, the principal, she is now at a different school uh, close to Varkala. Um, a lot of my students, they're getting so old now. Like yeah. one of them got married. Oh, really? <laughs> like an older and it was okay. an older girl. She's like 20 now. It's okay. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought child married. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but like, it's just, it's so crazy to see them all growing up. And like so many of them are in college now. And I'm just like, my baby. Like, <laughs> oh, they're so grown up. And they have bikes. Like what is happening? Yeah. I just feel like an auntie. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I love them so much. Yeah. I mean, thanks to social media in a lot of ways, it really helps you keep in touch with all of these people. And I'm sure they're also waiting for you to come back and visit and, you know, stuff They're like all that. gone, though. That's oh, the sad they're thing. They're no more really living in Kerala, maybe, right? Yeah, like, they're either studying or, like, because uh, Kanan's mom wants to also see my village because I talk so much about it. Um, but, like, all the kids, you know, they're in colleges around there. Um, you know, some of them, like, they go to the Gulf as they like, mm. stay with their families or get jobs and so everyone's just kind of spread around. And yeah. so I don't know when I get to see everyone again, but I hope so. Yeah. And uh, something that, uh, you know, you talked about a really negative experience. And I don't want you to talk about it if, if it's, you know, really traumatic to talk about uh, the kidnapping, obviously. Uh, so if, if you don't want to talk about that, that's, that's totally fine. But it was really... Like, my heart was beating so fast, you know, just reading <laughs> that because I, I couldn't even imagine 
uh you know being in that situation any any lady you know any woman any girl being in that kind of a situation with you know drunk men around and i'm so happy that you were able to you know use uh you know your senses and get out of that so yeah Oh yeah, it's okay. Um it's kind of more like um like anyone who's watching like it's more of a mild kidnapping. Yeah, <laughs> um, but still. <laughs> so don't get worried. Yeah. Um but like I had um in my head I kind of had this quarterly crisis of being in a cubicle all the time. So I was like I want to actually learn like skills. I want to do something more meaningful. Um so I had it in my head that I was going to go and do some NGO work in India. And um I wanted to visit all the I wanted to visit all the states. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn all the languages. I wanted to um learn things and so I had this plan to go um counterclockwise starting in Kerala mm-hmm. and working my way around because I was most comfortable in Kerala. And um I was going to like uh help out at an orphanage, at an animal shelter like at this deforestation reforestation project, not deforestation. <laughs> um <laughs> I was going to help out like on like uh like an organic farm. Like I was going to learn all these great things and I was really excited. And um Oh, hi, Princess Puppy. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I was going to learn all these great things. Um, but then I, and I am an extremely anal patriarchal. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm an extremely um, anal planner. So I had everything planned. I had this whole itinerary, like hand-drawn map. Like I went crazy. And then one by one, and I, I, um, I confirmed with them six months prior and then two weeks prior just to make sure everything was in a row. And uh, yeah, one by one, they just uh, started saying that the, the first one, they were no longer um, in operation, which like, I feel like you probably would have known that was yeah. going to happen two weeks ago. Why didn't you tell me? Seriously. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the, I called the second project like, Hey, can I come a little early? Um, they said, no, actually this spot is full too. The people from last month, you don't stay this month. Then I called the next project and luckily they were sticking to their schedule, but they were like, we really don't have room until the agreed upon time. So I had like a month to kill. So I was like, let me just find a project. And so I found one. I went there immediately. It was just um, in Tamil Nadu, uh, in Kodaikanal. Yeah, <laughs> and, you wouldn't expect, um, you know, such a beautiful place. You know, people would yeah. have such a bad experience. But yeah. And kind of wanted to go there for a honeymoon. And I was yeah, like, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, I went there. Uh, the driver, as we got there, like my network was getting spotty and um, the train was getting extremely rugged. Like the Jeep almost tipped over a couple of times. And um he was like, are, like, he didn't know English very well, but he kept giving me that like concerned father look like, are you sure that you want to do this? Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you know what's happening. Yeah. Um, but I was like, no, no, it's fine. Like, keep going, keep going. It's, it's fine. And even when we got there, he was like, are you sure you want me? Like, this was all very like eye contact communication, mm. but he was like, are you sure you want me to leave? Like I can stay. And um, I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. And then um, he, the, the main person was the only one who knew English, which like, obviously I'm not one of those people who's like, everyone should know English. Right. Like it was just like, I didn't have a means of communication uh, with anyone else to really know what was going on. So it was kind of tough because he was always busy. Uh, so that was why I mentioned that. But um so I was sitting waiting in like this kind of rec room and they later showed me to my accommodation and it was like, and like I'd lived in a village hostel. Like I'm not like a diva who needs like a five-star hotel everywhere I went, but it was like a shack and it had um, two, two like um, wooden bed frames, one of which had a huge dusty pile of wood mm-hmm. and half of the room had like this kind of thick aluminum partition that someone was staying on the other side of who could like easily come over if they wanted to. And then um, the lock didn't, or the door didn't have a lock. And I was just like, this is weird. Um, But I just kind of went along with it. I was like, you're just being a diva. Like you don't have any cell phone network. You're just mad because you can't post on Facebook. Like you'll be fine. Just Mm. deal with it. And um, then uh, I just kept having this inky feeling. And then I went to ask like there was one other girl I saw. So I went to ask her like, Hey, can you call me a car or something? Like I kind of, so a local, a local girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she, Oh, I forgot to mention these, these people, it wasn't actually an NGO project. They wanted me to be a free maid for their hotel. Also, like they were taking a job away from someone local who could have been earning money for their family and, um, trying to trick a foreigner into doing it for free, which is 
a huge ethical dilemma. Um, but but, and but it's also in the in the first place, <laughs> yeah, in the first place, how did you uh, get in touch with these people if they're not an NGO? Like, where did you find this website or whatever? So there's this website called Workaway that a lot of people use around the world when they're traveling because you basically do work in exchange for uh, free food and accommodation. Um, so it's all these company, all these uh, groups and NGOs that have been vetted. And I had gone through so much effort to verify. And you have to pay like a, an annual membership fee of like $20 mm. to make sure everyone's legit. Okay. And um, so I had gone through all this trouble to like, check social media handles, check websites, check ratings and everything to make sure everyone else had been legit. But for this one, I was just in a hurry because um, I just wanted to do something. I didn't want to sit around for a month. Like, you know. <laughs> and this was like last moment, right? Like you, yeah. you you, were almost on the flight, if I'm not wrong, to India? Oh, no, no. I, um, yeah, this was like three days after I landed. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I just kind of... Um, I went there and then uh, the girl, she said that there were no cars that could come. And then I found the guy. I asked him uh, if I could go to town and I started making up excuses like I need to do this. I need to buy soap. I need to, you know, buy like pads, something that'll make a guy uncomfortable. So and these guys were drunk. These guys were drunk, yeah. all these people who were around. Getting dark. Yeah. Um, they were all drunk and uh, they kept saying like, I couldn't leave. I'm and the driver, leave. the driver who was concerned about you had already left. Yeah, because I told them it was fine. Yeah. And like, that's no fault of his own. Um, it's my fault. Um, but yeah. And then uh, finally, I told them, like, my parents had no idea where I was either. Mm. <laughs> so um, I, cause I didn't want to worry them. So I said, like, my parents know exactly where I am. If I don't call them, like, every 12 hours on the dot from my phone number, they're going to call the police. And then he's like, okay, okay, fine. So then uh, he took me to town. I, I took all my things with me. So he kind of knew something was up, but mm. he was like, okay, fine. Uh, and then as soon as the car kind of like stopped, I just kind of like jumped out and ran and got in, in an auto. <laughs> and this this auto driver, I think he had been sleeping and he looked at me like, what is happening? And then like when he saw my face and like how panicked I was, he was like, okay, fine. And then I just booked an Airbnb. <laughs> and then uh, the next morning I went back to Kerala. And someone had yeah. had knocked on your uh, door while you were in there. Some. Somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and someone knocked on my door. It was just like really a lot of really uncomfortable moments, and like me being from such a small town and not really having experience dealing with situations like that. I was so naive and just like trusting of everyone, and. Um, I mean, I, I still am very naive, but um, I'm much more cautious now because it's so dangerous. And I, we all kind of have this complex where we think that nothing can really touch us and nothing can, like, we can do anything, you know, nothing will ever happen. But I mean, life is so risky, especially like, not, not to say like India or anything. If you're mm. in any place, even if I was yeah. in New York City, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't have done something like that. Like, why was I doing that? Mm. Um, so just kind of like hindsight of like how naive I was and, uh, Hopefully, like I didn't want to talk about it, but I also wanted to help if anyone else went through something like that um, to kind of think of ways to get out of it and how to uh, to encourage them to pay attention to their gut, their gut instincts, the, like all the red flags that happen because I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to kind of I didn't want to like speak about it as like a lot, a lot. But um, I think it is important to discuss. To it's help definitely people. important because even. Um, you know, people who come from cities in India, uh, who are not really used to maybe a village lifestyle or things like that, you can also get into, uh, you know, these situations, you need not be a foreigner to get into, you know, one of these situations. And like you said, evil people are everywhere, it doesn't matter which, which <laughs> yeah. country you're in, or luckily, you know, you were, you were able to get out of it and talk about the story. And I'm sure it helps a lot of people. And even, uh, you know, your whole thing that you do, right? Even though you say that, uh, you know, it's not about the money, obviously, that, you know, you invest so much time into, you know, talking about these things, publishing a book. It's all about, you know, helping other people. And that really gives you a satisfaction. And I'm sure it helps a lot of people uh, understand more about Indian culture. Because like you said, you know, we kind of stereotype everyone and even, you know, as Indians or as anyone else for Americans, we also have those uh, things where I'm sure you would have faced this where, <laughs> you know, people think that it's so easy to, uh, let's say, you know, when it when it comes to, uh, you know, getting a girl, they think that, you know, American women are so easy to uh, <laughs> get, you know, that's a stereotype. It's, it's just something that uh, 
you know maybe the media projects so you know you think about because people talk about stuff like that and we always have this thing where you know we think that foreigners just because they maybe they wear shorts let's say you know just taking an example a bad example probably but we think that oh you know they're okay with anything but that's just not the way it is right <laughs> Yeah. It's it's very common. We all kind of, especially like the media is so much to blame of every country because every single country kind of does this thing where you put yourselves on a pedestal and everyone else. And like, this is not India, like not the US, like even like Australia, uh, Argentina, everywhere does it mm. um, where you just kind of because you are the media for that nation. So you make those people um feel better and you kind of put down everyone else and I mean we do it in the media like how negative is the representation of Indians in American media uh how negative is Chinese representation Mexican representation we're all guilty of it and I so I don't really hold anyone accountable for it because I feel like it happens everywhere um but I think that it's hopefully something in the coming generations that will gradually improve as we become more of like a like a global economy and a gro- and a global presence uh, where we kind of respect each other a lot more. Yeah, and you know this is something that I've uh kind of always uh, thought about, you know, if if people could just be, you know, a global uh citizen of the world. I mean, I know it's obviously very difficult, but things would be much better, you know, all these divides, all the wars that we have, you know, within, you know, with other countries, like you said, you know, a lot of these things could actually uh, be eliminated if you actually just thought about yourself as a person, as, you know, being a citizen of this whole world. I know it's a utopian, <laughs> you know, thought, but... One day. Know, one day, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, even when you talked about media, I think it's changing a lot uh, that, you know, people are now figuring out what is right, what is wrong, and that Facebook can actually, you know, give you a lot of information yeah. which is not true, uh, stuff like that. I mean, you can't, it's like in, in Kerala, in, uh, not in Kerala, probably in India, there's this thing called WhatsApp, uh, that I'm sure you know by now, uh, where, you know, there's so many forwards that come, forward messages that come. And even my parents, you know, send me some of these things at times, which don't make any sense. Like, <laughs> and and I wouldn't blame them because, you know, that's the information that's being sent around and spread. So you kind of think, okay, that's the right information. But uh, you kind of have to dig deep and figure out what's the truth. Like, you know, to take an example, I don't know if you heard of this. Uh, there was a Zomato delivery issue that happened uh, a few days. Yeah. yeah. So everyone in the beginning, they were just, you know, supporting the woman because obviously, I mean, that's the information that they had. But no one really waited for the other side of the story till a couple of days, uh, you know, went by and you heard his side of the story that you figured out that, okay, you know, this lady was the one who was trying to just to get some free food. She, you know, went through the whole thing. So I think people have to really take a step back. I know it's so easy to say this and, you know, all of us are guilty of uh, not doing it. But I think people have to take a step back and whatever you listen to, you have to kind of verify your sources and stuff like that. And and I think, you know, in the US, you guys have this Fox CNN thing that comes you know with the politics oh and stuff like that right so it's the same everywhere you know it's it's the same with all media cha- you know all the channels that we watch they all have hidden agendas they all you know all support political parties so the news that you get probably is in the right news right it's just one perspective so and do you know like i know american media um like newspapers uh websites and uh, news channels they're owned i think all by like five or six different companies do you know like i'm putting you on the spot i'm so sorry mm, like okay. do you know if india does that as well or is it more widespread uh no it is no problem if you don't know sorry. no no i i think a lot of these i mean not everyone but a lot of these channels you know uh there's a big stake that political parties or you know politicians have so they cannot kind of go negative against one side one party you know mm-hmm. it's, it's it's just that's just the way it is and it depends on you know who you're really following and that's the news that you get so it's, the, it's just the way it is. And and even if you look at, uh, you know, NDTV or, you know, uh, Republic, you know, they all have hidden uh, agendas and they all have, uh, you know, affiliations to uh, political parties and stuff like that. So that's just a thing. And a lot of time, you know, we people sitting on the other side don't really know this unless you kind of dig deep and, you know, or people, you know, show stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just... That's just the thing that the whole world, I believe, uh, suffers with, you know, the media that that we are uh, pushed to consume and stuff like that. So, yeah. And it's so awkward, like, when sometimes people try to pull me into Indian politics and they oh ask my me God. my opinions on things. And, like, I have 
been there as like a visitor. Like I don't have the depth and the history to be able to grasp like the history and the effects and everything. Like I don't, I, 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 I don't think that I have the right to have opinions on things because they don't necessarily directly affect me and I don't know the repercussions and things. And it's just so awkward when people pull me in because I want to like, like you, you want to tell people like you support them and like you agree with them, but then you don't know the history and everything associated with it. Mm. So it's like this very difficult line that you have to kind of manage to stand on top of uh, so that you don't go either way and potentially hurt anyone because you don't know the sentiments surrounding everything. It's really tough. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people expect uh, people like you, uh, you know, who have a following to kind of always have a stand on things, right? You have to have a stance. Yeah. Otherwise, you're you're not right. You're not talking about stuff. And it's just a really tough spot to be in. <laughs> It's 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 very tough, and like American things, I have very strong opinions on them. Um, but I don't feel like I. And then like, of course, like natural disasters and things in India, I'm very very passionate about. Um, like you, know, the Kerala floods, like yeah. um, we raised a lot of money for those. But like, I I don't personally feel like I have, like I said, the right to have any opinions. So I try to like stand on that line. <laughs> <laughs> right, and. Uh... Coming to social media, uh, I, I I think read something recently, one of your posts saying that you kind of are not on uh, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram a lot anymore. And it's just Quora that you use. Yeah. So a couple of months ago, I, um, like I said, I wanted to kind of help reduce my anxiety and everything. So I decided that probably... Uh, the best thing, because like, like I said, I'm not earning from it. The mm. only thing I'm earning is like friendships and communication, like learning, like I'm constantly learning things like Twitter taught me how to read Tamil. Like oh, wow. <laughs> they're the greatest. Um, like I would comment like, cause you know, media on Twitter will always post in the, the actual script. Mm -hmm. So then I would just reply to it and like type what I thought it said in like the English. And um then people would like reply and give me their gentle corrections and like then I would have like these threads on like write your name in Tamil I'll try to read what it says and like I mean I only learned because of them uh so it was so helpful and I've I've made so many friends and acquaintances but um it's just it becomes kind of a job after a while where you mm. kind of feel like you have to post and you have to reply to these people and um you have to, it's just so much obligation. And mm -hmm. I just kind of felt like I didn't have the mental capacity for it at that time. So I wanted to kind of back away. So I put like my YouTube videos on private uh, because I always wanted to, I always feel compelled. Like if someone takes the time to comment or to send me a message, it's kind of my duty to respond to it. Mm -hmm. That was how I always felt. Um, and it was just, it was, it was way too much for me. So I just kind of put this on private, uh, put my social medias on private and, um, I don't, I don't check them, but, um, but then Kiki's birthday is next week. So I'm like, I really want to post <laughs> for her birthday <laughs> but, uh, yeah. and just, I'm just really annoying. So, but Cora, I've never really seen it as social media. Like I know mm. technically I think it is, but it's just so much more of like an engaging platform where I learned so much from it. Um, so I just, I can't, I can't quit. I mean, I got rid of everything else. I need Quora. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It is definitely a lot more uh, different compared to your traditional, you know, social media, right? So, because you're not really looking at, you know, the other people who you know and thinking that, oh, they have an amazing life. They're doing this. They're doing that. You're not worrying about that on, on you know, a platform like Quora. And do you think Quora has really helped you, uh, you know, with your writing, with, uh, you know, publishing your book? As an author, you think you are a lot better than uh, what you could have been if you if you were not really writing you know continuously on Quora and you know trying to tell a story uh, do you think things would have been different I think like I've always liked writing like my, I had poetry published when I was in like sixth grade hmm. um, I just I've always really liked writing um, I used to write a lot of poetry um, I used to just write everything and I always won awards for it in school but I think it kind of, as you get older and you get pushed into more of a direction, you kind of lose time for those hobbies and those things that you really liked when you were younger. And um, joining Quora and like writing again and people reacting to the things that I wrote and like resonating with them 
um, it just really kind of gave me that confidence that, you know, maybe I still am okay at writing. Like, I just still don't think I'm a good writer. I have no Sean Kernan. <laughs> but, like, um, you kind of just gain that confidence back. And then when I wanted to kind of tell that story to dispel those stereotypes, um, I had the confidence to do so. And I owe all like basically everything that everything good in my life, I owe to someone else. Like reading someone, that's all Twitter. Like being able to write, that's all Cora. <laughs> so I just, I'm just really grateful to everyone. Like the little community that's there, like they're amazing people. You have over a hundred million, you know, views uh, of your posts. So that's just, that's you know, so you're, you're definitely, yeah, but you know, so, so, you know, you definitely have an impact, uh, you know, with this, stories that you're saying and it definitely helps a lot of people and you're one of my favorite you know writers on Quora no don't say that I'm so bad no I mean (laughs) it's it's amazing I mean it's really nice to get uh, you know someone who understands uh, a lot about you know India and our culture and you know trying to uh, obviously break the stereotypes it's, it's a big deal you know coming from someone like you who's not an Indian so that's amazing <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah and uh, so the so when does the book come out um it's coming out for Tamil New Year on the 14th 14th of April right yep yep awesome and I'll send you one definitely I'll do that I'm I'm really uh I was really hooked to the first book because like I said you know I I'm not really a guy who reads a lot I I rather prefer listening to audiobooks because that's just easier when I'm you know maybe going for a walk or a run or something like that so I can do two things at once kind of a thing but yeah it's, it's definitely a different experience actually sitting down there reading so Thanks to, you know, this interview, I actually did that. I actually took the effort to go and do that. And, and it I hope was you really weren't amazing. too bored. No, it was amazing. I mean, I told you, right? I mean, reading 250 odd pages in a day is not something that I can usually do. But but it was really amazing. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for what you do. And uh, thank you so much for taking your time and special shout out to Emma for kind of, you know, arranging this thing and making sure that it happens. So, thank you so much. Oh, of course. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> <laughs>